This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. I am Helen Farmer. Fantastic to have you with us on this episode of Farmer's Kitchen, brought to you by Spinneys. We had some superstars on today's show. MasterChef Australia judge, restaurateur, author, Gary Megan with Wiseth as he was talking about his travels through India, his top tips for pizza at home. And his love of travel, of course, prepare to feel very inspired indeed. It was Natasha Sedaris of the Tasha's Group taking us to Saudi and explaining how you build a successful concept. She is famed for it. It's that attention to detail that she speaks about so, so passionately. We went to Sicily. We went to Rassel Kamer via Scotland and we got very cheesy indeed with Courtney Brandt and also Tiffany Eslick in the studio as we went to France to explore and taste cheese. Did I get them right? You'll find out. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Joining us now is Chef Gary Megan. From judging iconic MasterChef Australia to running successful restaurants, authoring books, he calls himself a food-obsessed traveller. He's in Dubai for the Konosh Four Hands dinner tonight with Chef Mansour at Vanitas in the Plaza Versace. And we've got some TV to talk about too. So come on, chef, I want to hear. What, what is your biggest love? Is it food or is it travel? <laughs> it's hard to split. I, I've been doing a lot of traveling this year, particularly to India, and we'll talk about that. But I kind of feel I'm in a really good place in my life. I'm getting older, so I'm 50. I've been told to say der at the end of old. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm 56 now, and I just kind of really appreciate every moment. So it can be, it can be beautiful food, it can be family and friends, but the travel bit, during COVID, I was I realised, you know, I need to be on a plane. I need to be, I don't know, up mountains and doing stuff. Planning, exploring, discovering, oh. connecting. And food's part of that. It is. And I think that's absolutely right. It is so hard to disconnect those two because sometimes some of our favourite memories from yeah. travel locked is, in. A, is a dish. It's yeah. a smell. Locked in. Flavour, smell, texture. You know, it could be a crunch of something. Connecting over food, someone <laughs> teaching you about yeah. food. I think that's, that's to me, is always Makes you really warm special. and fuzzy. I mean, it's funny. My daughter is now 22 and that poor girl, has been dra- I say poor girl when as I just say that every holiday she's ever had I think it's perfect because it's always about food we never go for the the iconic you know landmark if it happens to be in the distance or near where we're eating <laughs> fabulous so, you so we can go to Paris and if the Eiffel Tower she gets to see that perfect but it's always uh, yeah it's food first and it could be uh, it could be something seasonal what do I want to eat or you know I just go gee I just need to eat banh mi and pho that means we're going on holiday to Vietnam or you know if you want good sushi I'm, you know, I'm going on holiday to Japan I'm taking Dubai out of the equation but favourite foodie city in the world where oh. do you feel like every chef or every food lover should visit it's really hard I mean I'm, I'm biased at the moment because being backwards and forwards to India and I mean when I say India everybody thinks of this kind of homogenous cuisine it is just the most remarkable you know diverse and enchanting place I can um, I don't know it's hard to describe and everything's just been such a thrill this year so at the moment in my foodie brain Mm -hmm. India's it so I mean when I'm down south it's all coconuts and curry leaves and uh, you know beautiful you know Carolyn rice and Uppams and this kind of thing. If you're up north, it's something completely different. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're on the book, I was up in Ladakh in the Himalayas, and it's just unrecognizably Indian to most people's kind of idea. You know, it's on the China border, so or Tibetan border. Well, so, it, looking at your social media, it looks like you've had an awful lot of fun. I've had a lot of fun. People are going, "What are you doing since MasterChef?" I go, oh, "I'm doing all right." You know, so I mean, <laughs> we tra- look, we we trod the boards of of the MasterChef studio, and look, we're very lucky. We did uh, Matt George and I did that for eleven years. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but we kind of felt, and people ask us often, you know, we say, look, we kind of felt that we we wanted to pass the baton on. Like it, it was either this that year or the year after or the year after that. Um, and so what I'm doing now, you know, and so I'm saying studio, it, it was kind of predictable. And I felt a bit like my dad. My dad was a teacher for many years. And he said, I, it feel, he said, I always felt like I got this, the same kids that just had different names. And I kind of got to that point on MasterChef where I got the same contestants that just had different names. That's interesting. So, yeah, I kind of and – and I promised my wife always that if I fell out of love with going to work – because it's not easy. Everybody goes, oh, you got a great job. You just stand there and eat food. But it's always a – as you know, in radio, you, you know, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of research. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of hours. And so it's never, it's never as easy as people think. And I think I just lost a bit of the thrill – and I was very upfront telling everybody that, you know, how long do you want us to do this show? Let's just you know? watch this. But, but, yeah. but one of my kind of big fears in life is feeling like I'm wasting time. And I think sure. I've in the past stayed in jobs sure. too long because it's comfortable and it's enjoyable. Yeah. But it's that fear of like what's on the other side. Yeah. And I think you're an absolute testament to, you know, enjoying this whole chapter of exploration. Yeah. And you, um, when you look back, though, what did those years with MasterChef Australia teach you about oh, yourself and the food industry? Gee, about everything, about everything. I mean, look, I'd, I've been a chef since I was, yeah, well, even I was going to say 17, but, you know, I, I got a part-time job when I was 15 back in the UK, local hotel. That's where I fell in love with it. And then, you know, worked in London. So my whole career has been chef, restaurateur, um, and then I did a little bit of TV and I did a bit of radio and I did a bit of, and it was always just about being, you know, going into business and reading every management book under the sun was mm -hmm. about being the guy they called, you know, being an expert in your field, you know, it was about promoting your own business, getting bums on seats and TV, I kind of fell into TV and I fell into MasterChef, like goodness knows why they picked the three of us, like whoever cast. <laughs> it worked. No, but who, we get it now, <laughs> yeah. but when we looked at, when we look back at series one, we just, look at us. Like we were the most un-TV. We were all overweight. You know, both George and I are quite short. Matt is a giant. <laughs> and this is what we always said. These were the excuses. <laughs> Terrible hairstyles. Well, George never had any. But it was, um, we look back on it and just go, but there was a there was a chemistry. And the, and, and the chemistry was simple as this. Like we always, even right at the beginning, I thought Matt Preston, he's a food critic. He'd been to my restaurant and critiqued it. Mm -hmm. See, he, I sat him on the only wobbly table in the restaurant and he never <laughs> lets me forget it. But we thought we had nothing in common, but we had everything in common with each other. It was easy. It was easy to talk about food. It was easy to be excited about it. And every single contestant that came into that studio, it was like having, l not children, it's the wrong word, but people around you that loved it just as much as you do. So it was almost a, it was a wonderful little bubble. I, don't, I, never, I never look back on it and regret it. I never look back on it and not think of a time that I didn't enjoy it. Um, and we did some stuff. And you left at the right time. I say this about people in Dubai all the time: leave before you hate it. <laughs> oh yeah, we, maybe we were. Maybe that was the real reason we were verging on that. Oh, it's those three. The, no, look, not you. But I feel like there's a there's a huge there's amount a of self awareness. Limit. There's a, I think we all of us kind of got to a point where we we knew that we could do it forever. Like honestly, I think we could have done it for another ten years. But whether we'd enjoy it for ten years and whether. And now even, you know, I said to Matt, you know, do you, do you ever have a moment where you regret it? And he goes, yeah, of course, sometimes. He goes, I miss you guys. I miss the, the conversations, the guests, the crew, mm -hmm. you know, that odd contestant that just sparks a, a renewed interest. But he said, we're all on a different path and doing stuff. You're and doing so that's a lot lovely. of stuff. Well, that's what we're going to be talking about next. We're going to be taking you to India. I want to know how to help my husband with the pizza mission tonight. The yeah. uni is coming sure. out. I need Chef Gary Megan's expert advice. We've got people asking questions as well. We're going to be coming to the text line next. Carl saying, love Gary. What's his favourite restaurant in the world right now? And Mitten wants to know what ingredient could he not live without? 
This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. So delighted to have our current guest in the hot seat. <laughs> I am. Chef, Chef I was Gary Neven is here. Warmly. I am. No, not, not in surprise. You'd be, it's a, do you know, I'll, I'll say this to you very openly, is that we obviously have a lot of great restaurants here in Dubai and we have a lot yeah. of companies who want their chefs to come on the radio. Sure. And that's always really interesting to me to look at their resumes and go, okay, they seem really... Some people can sit in that chair and they don't want to be there. And that's very hard work for me. You know, if they... Yeah, but don't forget, we're a strange brand. I know. You know, I know. And you know, I'm like, well, don't are, put them there. Yeah, we're a strange brand, a strange group, a strange tribe. And I think... Uh, you know, people expect chefs to be kind of out there, and there's the reason why we're in the kitchen in the first <laughs> place. Away. Like I, when I was a young man, I, when I was a young man, when I was, a, and even as a restaurateur too, you know, I work front of house, and it's a really special skill to be mm. able to deal with people, talk to people, to diffuse it, all this kind of stuff. And I'm in constant admiration of that. There's a reason why we're, be, you know, those swinging doors. You know, there's a reason why they <laughs> stay shut. behind them. And, and the open kitchen changed everything, and now of course we have to be in the restaurant too. So it's tough for some people. Mm, it really it's an is. Interesting. Right, we're going to get the text line. You've got a lot of fans here in Dubai. A lot Super. of fans. Yeah. Um, Carl saying, love him. <laughs> Thanks, girl. <laughs> what's um, what's uh, what's his favourite restaurant in the world right now? Oh, it's a tough one. Uh, they're, they're, they're special place kind of restaurants. You know, Noma. And I know they're all a bit highbrow, but if you disretire in, in uh, Barcelona, it has to be like... Oh, wow. You know, when uh, hospitality personified, everything mm. from incredible, creative, whimsical to just, just you know, plain and straightforward, hi, how are you going, you're going to have a good time. You know, there's some restaurants that are just so highfalutin and we've all been to them. And I told a chef the other night uh, the same thing, perfect delivery and perfect experience. And I did it in my own restaurant where you're so focused on the food and service and all the rest of it, you forget the essence of... You know, hungry, hungry, thirsty. Yeah. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? How can I help you with that? Because that's what we're here for. <laughs> and and Mitten wants to know, what ingredient could you not live without? Oh, jeez. I'm a cheese freak. You know, every time I lose weight, there's a cheese calling me. <laughs> there's a cheese calling me to corrupt me. You know, it could be Comte. It could be, oh, Sanago. It could be anything. I'll just, yeah. It, Cheap cheddar, cheap burger cheese. Like yeah. seriously, you know that cheap, you know, melt quickly on a, on a smash burger? Let's talk. Let's talk pizza because I saw on your social media you're an uni man now yeah. I bought my husband an uni it's the gift that keeps it's on fantastic. giving it was the best move I've yeah. ever made because tonight is pizza night the dough has oh, been made Come ha- to your house. however <laughs> we've got some friends who are also uni fans and they think they've got the edge oh, so you've got a bit of competition going yeah, on in so amongst friendship I need... you need new friends you need people that are impressed <laughs> with your pizza <laughs> no I need your advice chef tell us, Go, a little, ask... tell us your top, top pizza at home tips uh, gee keep them simple uh, the uni, the, uh, we're not brand, we're not, you know, well, I'm not, no, I'm not saying, either. hey, Goony. But I had a big pizza oven for years, never used it because it was just, you know, it took ages to get hot. It was a pain in the bum, basically. Mm-hmm. And Anuni's fantastic. The new breed of pizza ovens that get really hot. Uh, the secret to a good pizza dough, honestly, is high hydration, so soft, but making what's called a poolish or a starter. Poolish. And a poolish is, you know, if you take a couple of hundred grams of flour, a couple of hundred grams of water, and you put literally a gram or two grams of yeast in it and leave it, for, mix it up mm-hmm. and put it in the fridge with a tight-fitting lid or in a big bowl, it will go nuts. Yeast just loves food, a bit like us here, mm-hmm. um, and it would go nuts. And, it, and it, it builds some power. It's a bit like that whole sourdough conversation where yeasts, you know, you know, they get some strength. So then when you mix that with the remainder of the flour and water to make your pizza dough, you'll just get a lot of strength from that poolish and you get a great rise. And higher hydration, which just means softer dough, mm-hmm. gives you a better result. And when you pat it out, don't 
throw them up in the air and don't try and do anything crazy. <laughs> you want a nice, just proved ball that feels. I always think it. Oh, it's hard to explain, but you know when you touch that dough, it's, you just know it feels soft and yielding, and when you press it out, there's a little pleasure in that. Oh, okay. Sorry, I got carried away there, I didn't I? Say, it is a food show, I isn't it? I was going to say, come to our place tonight, but you've got yeah. other, you've got other plans tonight. You are doing a four hands dinner, Konosh with uh, Chef Mansour. Yeah, going to be at Vinita's at the Palazzo Versace. Yeah. What's on the menu, and what's it like collaborating in the kitchen? Yeah, well, the, this kitchen's a pleasure. So we've done a whole lot of collaborations this year, particularly with Konosh in India. They're a big food platform, educational platform, special events platform in India. You can check out Konosh Official, and I'm doing that because they bought us here, and we love them. Mm-hmm. Um, but Working with another team like Vanitas, for example, and David, who's the executive chef, and Mansour, um, when you work with people that know what they're doing, it's just a pleasure. And the ingredients here, we all know it, Dubai can get anything in the world. It's true. So we've got all sorts of stuff. We've got great, you know, Wagyu Score 5 uh, beef from Australia. I'm plugging that because I love it. I actually bought fresh wasabi leaves from Tasmania, which we're using with a Japanese Haramasa kingfish. Um, we've got... Uh, we're using uni and caviar only because everybody said if you come to Dubai and you're not eating and ca- eating uni and caviar, then you're not in Dubai. So I'm. She's here. In fact, I might not even put it on the plate. I'll just <laughs> eat it in the kitchen and go. People go, "Where's the caviar?" Um, so a couple of little signature dishes that I've um, hung my hat on for a couple of years, like the wagyu dish, Serac puree. I'm using Giroles from France. I'm kind of I'm dragging back to my days at the Connaught, mm-hmm. and then Mansour and the team are doing. They've, they've got the sweet treats. I think they've got a beautiful fish dish, uh, which is salmon dish, and then they're going heavy into pre-dessert, dessert, and petit fours. Oh, that sounds great. So, and you know why I said would you do dessert? It means at a certain point in the meal, my team and I can You're cut. Done. And we can go and sit down and eat dessert. It's caviar and dessert. <laughs> um, so there, it's just tonight and tomorrow night. I yeah. think tomorrow night is sold out. I've got a feeling. There might be but one table we got a couple. Of, uh, yeah, I'd say we've got a couple of spaces. Uh, it's worth ringing. Uh, we can go to Conosh Official on Instagram or go to Vanitas on Instagram or just dial uh, the Versace and see if you can get a table. I'd love to see you because it's it's always lovely to work with good people and be in a great foodie place. Mm. And yeah, What does dinner look like at home normally? Oh, that's a funny thing, isn't it? I, I drive my family nuts. My daughter and we're a small unit. There's three of us, my daughter and my wife. And I get up in the morning and the first thing I do is think about food. And since I don't have restaurants anymore, it's got worse. And I go, what do you want for dinner? And they're like, dad or Gary. And I go, well, I'm thinking about it. What do you want? And so <laughs> it's eight o'clock in the morning. A lot of spicy stuff. Like yeah. uh, I've talked about India a bit. I've been all over the country and so I've collected odd recipes. And my daughter loves anything Southeast Asian, anything that's, you know, Vietnamese, Thai, anything with, with spice in it. And I did that. That's my, that was my challenge all the way through her childhood was to get to eat stuff, mm-hmm. um, whether she liked it or not. You know, just taste it. And now we, my wife will say, can we please not have spicy? I just want cheese on toast. Yeah, and I go, define spicy. Let's drill down have on spicy. you got spicy. a good tolerance? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? oh yeah. If you, have you had naga? Have you ever eaten a naga or a ghost chili? No, yeah, never. Like the I've, seen, chili, I've seen the scale, yeah, which Like is the butch tea or the scorpion, whatever it is. They're the hottest chilies in the world. And, and they're, I love the pleasure and pain. I always know when I've had a good amount of chili as I get hiccups. And everybody thinks it's hilarious. And I go, that was good. That was, I'll enjoy the hiccups for the next 15 minutes because that was good. So hot is good. I like, you know, that, that tie balance of sweet, sour, salt. Mm. And well, I grew up in the UK. So when I went to Australia, I traveled through Asia and it just, I just went, oh my goodness. I never knew this existed. I mean, in London, we had great Chinese, etc. But, you know, I don't know, supping on a bowl of Tom Yum, Looking at the beach, I mean, my world changed. Oh, and so, goodness. yeah, I trained as a French chef and I love spicy food. What do you listen to when you're cooking, chef? Oh, you don't want to know. I do want to know. <laughs> I, 
No. No, all right. I'll give you the straight answer. I listen to everything from, you know, classic rock to, you know, all the stuff you've been playing. Oh, that's a nice song. But it's a kitchen thing and it's a leftover thing from the 90s and I do love a little bit of euphoric trance. And you know why? Because it's perfect to cook to because the beat is great chopping music. Really? Yeah. It's 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 just chop, chop, chop. There you go, chef. There are, there's, a, there's a generation of chefs that know what I'm talking about. Everybody else is going, that's ridiculous. He's getting old. Hey, everyone loves an older raver, all right? <laughs> Especially one that can Yeah, cook. I'm dreaming of Ibiza. I've got glow sticks. No, I, okay. I do, yeah, I do like it. I love that. But I've, Rolling Stones is good too, so hey. New album out. Haven't listened to yeah. it yet. Um, we've run out of time. Just very, very lastly, Four Hands Dinner, Konosh Dinner is on tonight and tomorrow night. You're going to have to be quicker to the Palazzo yeah. Versace. And your new Nat Geo series, Mega Festivals. Yeah. If you want a little sneak peek, go and check out Gary's Instagram because it just looks so joyful, so much fun. The connection, the celebration, the food. Yeah. And it is going to be coming to Dubai soon, I believe. Yeah, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. So, you know what? I think it's a great show. And we know all about geo-blocking. So it gets released into different ter- territories at different times. But, yeah, I want it, I want it to be successful because I want to go travelling again. Too right. Yeah, well, mega festivals, South America. Yeah, going global. Yeah. Chef, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. And I would say hop on over to <laughs> Chef Gary Meekin's Instagram because you're having a lot of fun with social. I'm having fun. It's Thanks, be- Helen. It's been an absolute pleasure. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. If we get some inspiration on how to bag a bargain on some absolutely five-star feasts now. More Cravings by Marriott Bonvoy have launched the UA Restaurant Month this September. Um, an exceptional range of venues. And joining us now is Nick Patmore. He's a hotel manager at JW Marriott Marquis, where... Wow, you tell us. Where are we going this weekend, Nick? How are you? Yeah, how are you doing, Ellen? Thanks for having me on board. Yeah, so um, just to go through, we have uh, joined with uh, Marriott Mar- um, Marriott Marquis has joined with More Cravings. Um, More Cravings is an app which we've developed uh, with them um, to avail discounts within the Marriott properties. There's over 300 restaurants on the Marriott, um, wow. Marriott app. And of that, we have a restaurant month, which is happening in this month. Um, and we have two price points of, of those uh, on, on the app. Um, one is 125 dirham, which is a casual dining, and the other one is uh, 245 for more of a signature restaurant. Ooh, okay. Yeah. You know, you know which one I'm more interested in. <laughs> yeah, <'Cause>, yeah. <laughs> tell us a little bit about the restaurants that you know come under you at the Joe W Marriott Marquis. What's uh, what's kind of because there've been a few changes recently and some old favourites still around as well. Can you name some names for us? Yeah, so we have uh, our signature restaurant. Obviously, our, our most famous one is Prime 68, which is on the 68th floor. That's our steakhouse. We also have Rong Mahal um, Tong Thai, which is our Thai restaurant. Uh, Isakai, which is our in, um, sorry, Isakai, which is our Japanese restaurant. Those are signature restaurants which you can get a menu at with this month at 245. That's, and I've had meals there where the mains have been not far off that really. You know, it's, in, that's, it's incredible really pricing, incredible yeah, food. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then, of, of course, from a casual dining, um, we have Kitchen 6, where you, you would normally spend 215 dirham on a, spe- a speciality night, or on a normal night, you would have 195 dirham. But during this month, going through the, the Merit More Cravings app, we have a 125 dirham for Kitchen 6, so a really fabulous deal. Yeah. It's just a way of being able to try restaurants that you might have thought, oh, that's more of a treat or special occasion place. Yeah, absolutely. So, or, or not tell the person that you're going. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. Going. So, well, I suppose it opens up the... the 
the door for people that wouldn't really go to Prime 68, right? They now have an opportunity to to spend 245 dirham going to Prime 68. That's a brilliant deal. Um, yeah. I we've oh, we've had a few great dinners in the private dining room. In fact, a couple of great brunches at Prime 68. As well. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. A, well known for its brunches. It's a yeah. really good one. How how do you how do you like yours? What's your steak of choice at Prime 68? Yeah, so we do a uh, um, uh, Australian Australian uh, ribeye, which is absolutely fantastic. A little bit more pricey, but uh, if you have that with some truffle mash on the side, uh, oh, superb. Oh, yeah. come on. That yeah, sounds amazing. Great. So where should we be going this weekend? I'm not asking you to pick favourites, but I'm asking you to pick favourites. Um, what were some of your top picks? You know, you obviously know the, know the property really, really well. Um, um, make us hungry. What, what should we be eating this weekend? So just uh, There's a few restaurants which are on board with more cravings, and I'll just mention a few of them. Obviously, we have uh, Isakai, which is our Japanese restaurant, which I would recommend on first. But again, we also have other restaurants which are in Grosvenor House, which are coupled up with more cravings, mm-hmm. as well as you've got a, a Karabakh as well at the W. So there are a number of restaurants within the, the region. Uh, Kira on that as well. Yeah, so Kira Beck's on that too. That's very good. Um, there's restaurants which are available in Abu Dhabi, uh, Sharjah and, you know, and Dubai at the same time. I love a bit of a Kira back. Is he coming back to Dubai soon? I believe so. Mm. I think keep posted. I think uh, keep an eye on for October. Watch this space. So yeah. more than 300 restaurants. Do you need to book through the app? Because I'm just, so I'm just the, anticipating questions coming in in terms of how yeah, to avail so these deals. there's 300 restaurants on the app. Um, but there's of, uh, on the app, there's 75 which are participating in the restaurant month. Brilliant. And so do you need to book through or can you just simply call up and then use the app when you're You can you're either pay? call up or use the app, whichever one's easier. Super simple. Easy. Nick Patmore, thank you so, so much. What you, you where are much. you going tonight? Where are you eating tonight? Um, I'm having a tasting actually in Rang Mahal, which is oh, our Indian restaurant. Yeah. So it, otherwise I'll see you there at 6.30. I had some amazing, amazing prawns in there. Some seriously, seriously yeah, good food. Restaurant. Well, enjoy yourself. Thank Stretch you Stretch your trousers at the ready. Yeah. Um, if you want more details, you can just send me the word more. I'll send you details of the More Cravings app, as I said. The UAE Restaurant Month is underway. It started off as a... Just a week. Now it's a whole month for you to enjoy some fantastic flavours at some great prices too. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We're in conversation now with Natasha Sedaris, the creator and founder of the incredibly successful Natasha's Restaurant. She opened up the first Tasha's back in Johannesburg in 2005. Today, there are 13 Tasha's Group concepts in the UAE. There's Abu Dhabi expansion, 26 worldwide, including Saudi and Abu Dhabi. It doesn't stop there, though. She's now taking her culinary vision over to Saudi with the launch of Flamingo Collection. My only complaint... Natasha, is it you're not in the studio, but I can't blame you. You're probably the busiest woman in F&B right now. How are you today? How's it, Helen? How are you doing? I'm well. I just wish you were here. Good. It's always good to have a little bit of a, a, a catch-up. But I, as I said, I understand you are here, there and everywhere right now. Um, can we talk I'm about... in the middle of my you? opening in, in Saudi. <gasps> okay. Paint us a picture. Tell us about the Flamingo Collection. What's, what's it all about? Where did the idea come from? So basically, we, we had been looking for a site in, in Riyadh for quite a while, and we are in this incredible development called Bujairi, or Diria, which is in, in, in Bujairi, which is just it's, it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And we got offered the location, and sadly, they didn't have any smaller units for us. They only had this one really large unit. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, if we're going to take the space, we're going to have to come up with a couple of concepts to house them. Under, under one umbrella. So we've got, as you walk into the entrance, we've got Collective, which um, whoever supports us in Dubai will know it's our retail store, Collective Africa. I, I could um, do some serious damage with the credit card in, in, yeah. in that store. Some beautiful <laughs> homewares and jewellery and 
Yeah, you've it's just and, your and your taste is just impeccable across across the board. Thank it you so really much. is. Appreciate it. And we've obviously got all the bronzes and the Ardmore, which are fantastic. Mm. All the ceramics. So you enter the store, and we've got that space on the right hand side. Then you're in Flamingo Room, which is this peachy pink, stunning space. Um, an unbelievable dining room because we have punched a cavity through the ceiling. And as you look up, you've got this unbelievable green space, which is an African uh, tented sort of um, safari-like camp style, um, but just super glamorous. Mm-hmm. And it's called the African Lounge. So you're sitting in this, in this pink peachy space. And as you look up, you see the green. Uh, to access that, we've got an elevator and staircase. You come up to the second floor. It's African Lounge, and there's a big focus on pastry, sweets. We're going to be launching a high tea in the next couple of months in the space. And then African, what we call nibbly bits. <laughs> so African-inspired dishes, um, small little plates for people to share. And so for the people who are sitting in that space, they're looking down on the Flamingo Room, and vice versa, the, the people who are dining in Flamingo Room are looking up at this incredible tented uh, space. And then you go to the third floor, and you are on the stargazing terrace, which is just a place for people to pause and, and, and take a quiet moment, or um, they can book it for events. So very sculptural, beautiful pots uh, along the outside, completely sculptural furniture that's all movable, of course, because if you're going to have an event, mm-hmm. two telescopes on the roof to look at the stunning at the stunning stars and look over the wadi here at, uh, at Pujari. I am so jealous of the, of the people of Saudi who are going to get enjoy this space. When's it opening? It's opening in a couple of days. Oh, we were gosh. scheduled to open on the 10th, but uh, I'm, I'm a super perfectionist, as you know, mm-hmm. so I've delayed that opening for another five days. We'll open on the 15th. Uh, the guy still got some polishing to do. I was in the kitchen yesterday throwing my toys like I always do. <laughs> So, <laughs> throwing your toys so, no but the, this, exactly. this, this is why this this is why you're so successful and I don't I don't say this lightly is there are an awful lot of people who are behind restaurant groups who don't get as involved as you who aren't as hands-on who aren't there at the pass yeah. look at looking at dishes and who aren't on the ground chatting with customers and I think that's you know that's the secret sauce for you you know it's it's that it's that depth of, of care you know it really is and as I said amazing taste now all of your establishments have this Tasha stamp on them but they're also distinctive um can you yes. explain a little bit about how you start to create a concept? You know, we've got Flamingo oh, Collections, the new one, but making sure that you're, yeah. you've, you're saying what you want to say, but you're not necessarily taking from, from something that's already in existence. So I think throughout all of our brands, we've got this golden thread that runs through all of them, which is, you know, about engaging service, which you've just mentioned, these beautiful environments. You spend a lot of time and energy on, on creating these magical spaces. And then the most important is, of course, the food. Mm. What are we selling? We, we're selling food at the end of the day. And so for us, that's really important. So that golden thread runs through everything. There's a, a similar DNA. So if you go to Avli and Flamingo Room, we've still got you know, the curved ceilings of Tasha's. But each concept is totally unique in its food offering and in the majority of its, turn, of its um, interior. Um, and the way I normally weave a concept, if you look at Bangalore, I'll look at the space and I'll say, okay, what can, if I don't have a concept in hand already, I'll say, what can work here? Then we know it's going to be a beach restaurant or a beach club. Then we say, no, we don't want to do a beach club. Let's stick to a beach restaurant. What, what is the feeling we want to create? Do we want a sense of nostalgia? For me, it's always about authenticity. Mm-hmm. So I try and connect with something that's either from my culture, as in, as in, in Avli, I'm Greek, but also with Flamingo Room, I'm from South Africa. So I like to have a bit of a, a, a link. 
um, or it must tie back to a certain experience that I've had. Because I think when you have that level of authenticity, that's when you can start to weave and create the magic because you can layer it because mm-hmm. it's real and true. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what will happen is we sit down with the team. We sh- I brief the designers. I say, listen, this is what I'm thinking of. These are the colors I'm thinking of. This is what I want to create. Then, of course, the designers go away and work their magic. They bring that back to me. We tweak it a lot. Sometimes I drive them crazy. I'm sure they say that I'm the most meddling client that they've got. We go back and forth on everything from fabrics to details to what the chair height should be to, you know, the, the, the art on the wall. Then I start working with my chefs, mainly with my culinary director, Jill. I think you've interviewed before. She's amazing. And then, mm. yeah, yeah, she really is incredible. She'll go away and say, okay, Tash, is this what you had in mind? We go through a lot of inspiration from my travel, from cookbooks, from because I'm still a cookbook girl. As you know, I've got an aversion to, to social media. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jill will go away and do a first trial of cook, and I'll say, right, we are in the right direction, but let's start tweaking. In some instances, I might jump into the kitchen and start cooking with Jill. In other instances where she's nailed it, she's just cooking back to me, and I'm, and I'm doing minor tweaks. But, um, yeah, it is a long and lengthy process. Um, a lot of other brands are created much quicker than, we're, the way, than we, what we do. But I, I think that every detail counts. So the uniforms have got to speak to the interior. The cutlery and crockery have got to send a message. It's all got to come together to create, you know, the magic. So yeah, and we haven't even we haven't even talked about people yet because you know you can have a beautiful space and incredible food coming out of the kitchen, but that mm-hmm. that link in the chain, I think, is where so many places just maybe not yeah. even get it wrong, but don't even understand how important it is because. You can have the best food in the world, but if it's being delivered by someone who doesn't understand it, if it's being delivered by someone who doesn't really want to be there, um, it can taint the whole experience. What do you look for in your staff, Natasha? Well, listen, I think the first thing is people can get trained. So skill is not the first thing we look for. Um, Right attitude is the first thing we look for, particularly in the front of house staff. Mm -hmm. Obviously, in the back of house, we would like some type of skill. Although, having said that, if you look at Natasha's team, most of the guys are people who've never worked in restaurants before, even in the kitchen, and we train them up. So I think first thing is right attitude. And then, Helen, we invest very heavily in training. We've got a trainer for our, what we call our concept stores, which is the Flamingo Rooms, Lovelies, the Bungalows, the African Lounges, and, of course, our two, our two bars. You get it, we're opening a new bar in Abu Dhabi. And, and then we've got a trainer that's dedicated to Tasha's, one in South Africa, one here. So training is a big focus. And then motivating the guys and making them feel like uh, you know, that they actually worth something and they're part of the bigger picture. And I think that's really important. People want to know that they belong to something and that they're valued. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, There's somewhere for them to go as well. Like yeah. Uh, and, and job security. I yes. think paying people on time is very important. I hear of horror stories, both in South Africa and Dubai, of guys getting paid on the 5th of the month, the 10th of the month, the 15th of the month. Some people even skipping a month of getting paid. We've got a strict policy in our business. On the 25th, everyone gets paid. You haven't no even made what. us that hungry yet. We haven't even t- touched on food and we haven't got much time. <laughs> so I want to know, a, yeah. a, what are you excited about serving up at the moment? What's going well with diners in Dubai and elsewhere? Let's get, go on, make us hungry wow. for the weekend, Natasha. Listen, I, I actually think people are, are, are looking and moving towards more simpler food. And I think we've done that very successfully with Bangalore 34. And I know we're talking about Flamingo Collection, but even if I look at last night, we did a, b- a bit of a dry run. People are wanting honest food prepared with just the most unbelievable ingredients and I think that's that's really the big move in food now and even if you look at the nibbly bits that we're putting on our menu here in, in the African lounge 
not overcomplicated flavors, just delicious things put together really simply, um, I think is the direction for the food to go. I'm particularly excited about the sharing plates. Again, we're calling them nibbly bits. We're looking at taking some South African dishes and, and, and shrinking them, making them mini versions and putting those on a plate. Things like baburti, things like... Um, We've got this unbelievable, um, sorry, now I'm, I'm, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> You're just thinking about food. <laughs> with, some, with some African spices that we're doing. We've got a, a normally in South Africa, what's, what's very famous is a South African style steak roll. And Jules jazzed that up with some uh, chakalaka um, going in a, in a special bun that we're making. So I think for me, I think smaller bites. And we're even doing that in the UK at Tasha's where historically all of the portions are quite big. We're going to have our classic menu. But then we've got a supplementary menu there, what we call our signature menu, with smaller dishes that people can share. I think sharing plates are going to be a big thing. Thank you so much for making time for a chat today. You've made me hungry and you've made me thinking about a little... I'm on my... I can see everyone doing, doing things that I don't want them to go, do. Go, go, go. <laughs> get get meddling on Helen, those nibbly bits. Natasha thank Sarris, you. thank you so, uh, so much. By the way, Helen, Tell we me. are opening a flamingo collection so that you can come and visit Good. in Abu Dhabi next month. So African Lounge, Flamingo Room and... Um, 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 sorry, collective and a bar at the back called Pillar. So Amazing. in a month's time, you can come and experience Flamingo Collection. Everyone, well. get, Everyone's doing a road trip. Natasha Darius, thank you so, so much. Cool. Wishing you all the very best with the yeah. opening. My goodness, what a woman. As I said, that's, that's the secret sauce. It's caring that much. It's that passion. But, um, oh my goodness, now I really just want to go to Flamingo Room and have that amazing calamari with the shoestring fries. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We're taking a trip to the southern Italian coast now via Palm Jumeirah. Uh, chef Francesca Cotterillo is with us today, the head chef at Piatti by the Beach at Raffles the Palm Dubai. Thank you for coming in. Hi, um, good afternoon. I am. Um, I always really value chef's time, especially on a Friday when you're probably <laughs> getting ready for a busy service. So you can just sit down and relax with me for like... It's a little bit of time and then the madness of the kitchen. It's okay, can I have a fast again. car to come back okay. to work. <laughs> good man, good man. Tell us a little bit about growing up in Sicily. How did it educate you about food, do you think? Uh, of course, when you grow in Sicily, I mean, uh, inside the family, there is uh, a literal culture about the food. So, I mean, in Sicily, you have best product, like in terms of vegetables, especially. So, I mean, it's easy for everyone to fall in love with food. So, I remember when I, I was already like, 12, 13, you know, when I finished school, I ran away at home because I want to cook pasta for all my family. But the things is a little bit weird for me that I wanted to be a chef. I didn't want. You didn't want? No. Why? What was the plan? Because I love food, but I never thought about food would be my job. So uh, I was thinking to do something else. So this is a thing that came step by step after. Mm-hmm. Not straight away. So what changed? Was this, did someone inspire you to become a chef or did you have a, a restaurant experience? What happened? Like, in, inside my family, they are, they are like my uncle, my aunt, they have restaurants. So usually when I was like 14, 15, 16, I used to go to work in the summer two months for pay my vacation uh, the other month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so of course, I, I born inside the restaurants in general, but I didn't think, I was not thinking that would be my job. After, when I were turn 17, 18, I start to think that, okay, maybe this passion can become a job. So I took it in a professional side. But before that, only with the passion, that's it. 
Never from a professional side. <laughs> Can I ask you which ingredients you miss the most from your home country? Is there anything you're like, oh, I wish I could bring that to Dubai? You know, it's a very simple thing, but for me it's uh, just orange. Oranges? Yes, because in Sicily we have uh, amazing orange, very big. And already, okay, maybe you can buy in Dubai, you can import. But it's not the same. Yeah, because you're there and you know where it's grown. and It's, it's it, not... It's not the same at all. Oh. Like with one orange, you can make one and a half uh, glass of uh, juice. Wow. Yes. It's like the size of your head. <laughs> it, it costs like uh, four dirham per kilo. <gasps> okay, I know where I'm going next. Um, chef, can I ask you, what are some of the misconceptions about Italian food that drive you absolutely crazy? You're like, you just don't get it, or I wish you knew this, or you need to taste this to understand my cuisine. Okay. Italian food... I think it's the simplest food in the world. That's why it's appreciated by everyone. But there is one thing that, you know, you should try. is uh, to cook the protein, so fish, meat in general, but you need to respect it. So don't go crazy, you know, with the, with the spiciness, with a lot of spicy, because the good protein, they have already their own taste. Mm -hmm. So... No need to cover it. You need to exalt. So, in uh, in general, the Italian food is uh, like in, you know the, the the side dish of the of the of the dish is just for uh, exalt the protein, not to cover it. Uh, this is uh, one important things because when you have the best product, doesn't need it. I I'm a, like also my, my previous chef, my boss say I'm a lazy chef. <laughs> so it's very simple. You buy the best, you respect it. And it's done. Do very little. There is no way that the people will not love it. How do you feel about pineapple on pizza? <laughs> Look, I'm very weird in this thinking because I think everyone should eat what they like. Oh, thank you. Of course, I will not serve in my restaurant because my simple because I don't like, but I don't judge who like it. I love this. Joining us now <laughs> from Piatti by the Beach, <laughs> Chef Francesca Cotterillo. Um, let's go on. Make us hungry. Take us to your restaurant tonight. What's on the menu? What's doing really well with diners? What are people just loving, Chef? Hello, my restaurant is a combination of tradition and elegance. I, I don't want to say fine dining because, I mean, we are, I think, far from fine dining because we are a nice family restaurant, sharing concept. What we are trying to do is mix the traditional food, literally like from my mama or my grandma, so you can find, you know... Please say nonna. Yeah. <laughs> just, just say it for me. <laughs> yes, traditional food. Yeah, and the best product from the fish from the Mediterranean Sea. So we are importing the best of the best that is arriving in Dubai. And we are trying to, you know, transmit to the people things that most of them, they already know. Because they go on vacation on, uh, in, uh, in Sicily, they go in uh, uh, Costiera Malfitana, they go in Sardinia. So in Dubai, now there is a real, a big culture of, uh, of food. There is not like people, they are not ignorant about Italian food because everyone is traveling. Mm -hmm. They know some, some, sometimes better than Italian also. Uh, for example, as you know, everyone is crazy for burrata in Dubai. Yeah? I, I tell you one thing, maybe you don't believe. Before Dubai, maybe I eat burrata twice, three times. 
And now we're like, there appears to be burrata on every single menu across every single cuisine. Yes, it, exactly. No Not it. only in Italian restaurants. No, it's true. It's like a little <laughs> Japanese burrata. Who, yeah. who doesn't love a little Thai burrata? Oh, but butter chicken <laughs> with burrata. I've had that. Yeah, it's, it was <laughs> very it was nice. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Where was that? Was that at Masti? I think Masti yes, has a butter yes, chicken. Yes, Masti. Yeah, yeah. And wor- it actually worked. Yeah. Uh, so um, no, no, absolutely no judgment. Um, so with, is there a dish then that you feel is... Your food philosophy. If we eat it, we're like, okay, I know what this what this restaurant's about. I know what chef is trying to tell me. What dish that you're really proud of? Look, there is, there is one dish that I have in, uh, I put literally in whatever restaurant I go. Uh, it's basically, a, to make you understand, like a tuna tataki, mm-hmm. crust in pistacchio, mm-hmm. with pistacchio crust. Very simple with some sun-dried tomato, some onion. But it's an evolution of one plate that we are cooking in Sicily, and it reminds me of my nonna. Because in Sicily, there is, you know, seasonal food. So there is one season that is uh, just before summer when we have small tuna passing from the, from the coast. We call tunina because it's small tuna. But it's the tuna, you know, for poor people, very cheap. You know, the, the meat is not red, it's uh, almost uh, brown, gray. So you can find that in the in the fish shop, really for nothing, like two three euro per kilo. Uh, she used to do this for me, you know, pansir, nice. She cut, she put pistachio, and she put also some cheese sometimes. So this one I evolve in one dish that is looking amazing because now we are not doing with the uh, tunina, we are doing with bluefin tuna of top of the top quality, uh, with the amazing pistachio from Bronte from Sicily and uh, is one of the best seller always. <laughs> I love that. I was there with you then. I was in the fish market. I was Thank you so much for your time today, chef. Really Yo. really appreciate it. You are very busy in the restaurant, but there are some you're booked up basically. But Piatti by the Beach is now there raffles the Palm Dubai head chef Francesco joining us today. Get back to the kitchen in your fast car, all right? Thank you very Have much. Have a wonderful wonderful weekend. Oh, I'm hungry. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We are going totally cheesy this afternoon. We are taking you to France and I'm being tested on my cheese tasting skills. We've got two foodies in the studio. Food writer extraordinaire Courtney Brandt and Tiffany Estick from Spinney's joining us. And you guys have been, uh, you've been abroad. Courtney, tell us about where you were. We were invited uh, by the French uh, dairy uh, group uh, and to go and eat cheese, to see where it's where it originates, to meet the cows, to lit- like literally go into the high mountains where these PDO cheeses are created, then see how they become, you know, the cheese that you're going to enjoy today. Not a bad afternoon, but a week together. That sounds yes. amazing, Tiff. Can, can I ask where in France you were? So we started out in Lyon. We went to Annecy, that gorgeous town with a lake. lake. And we were in the Franche-Comté Mountains, going up to about 2,000 metres in altitude. OK, I, I suspect the answer is going to be no. But did you get sick of eating cheese? No. No. <laughs> it Does me? the limit exist? <laughs> Not in my mind. <laughs> they invited the right people. Let's just yeah. say that. Cheese lovers. OK, I want to know a little bit before I do any tasting about what we're tasting. Um, why is French cheese... Um, known for its quality it is you know held up there and my goodness the variety is insane but so is the quality what's it all about what did you learn on the trip that might encourage us to buy and eat cheese differently 
So it all comes down to the concept of terroir, which essentially, it was actually explained to us really basically, which is great. If you imagine a triangle, you've got animals, environment and people. And so it's, you're looking at what are the animals eating? How are they being looked after? Are they up in the mountains eating amazing little flowers in the summer? Are the farmers, you know, knowledgeable? Are they using age-old traditions? And so when all of that's in balance, that triangle, you're getting great quality milk, which is giving you great quality cheese at the end of the day. Happy cows yeah. equals tasty cheese. Courtney, is that fact? That is a fact. I, I have tasted it and I know. But also that when we think about PDO, which is a designation given to certain products, uh, especially around produce uh, in Europe, that these are traditions that can go back cent- literally centuries. So you are eating cheese. Yes it's been modernized but in a way that respects that tradition and I think getting connect to be able to connect to that was really special. Tell us about the making process then. Can you talk us through from happy cow to what I'm about to eat now? Happy cow. Uh, Cows will be milked twice a day. Uh, That milk needs to get immediately to one of the the dairies where this is going to go. It can come from different breeds of cow. It but very specific breeds of cow. If you, we had to do a test, basically, do literally, you remember, yes. <laughs> I, I was like, some of us are better at French pronunciation than others. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, Tiffany, do you want to jump in? I'm, don't worry, I'm going to get Tiff to talk us through the types of shoes. Don't gotcha. worry. Don't worry. Uh, but no, to see, I guess, the craft and care, how early they have to get up, that this milk is respected. I think we kind of, sometimes we lose that connection with our food, and when we see the, the actual cows, how they're treated, what they eat. All of this is protected. And then to get that milk, you know, straight in and get into the process. And these, uh, we met some of the, you know, cave masters and how they put the cheese in it. They're even marking on these cheeses, you know, who gets like a four star. Yes, we all agreed it was definitely a four star. This is so, okay. Now I'm getting hungry. Tell us about the type of cheese I'm going to be tasting today, Tiffany. Okay, so today we're doing Conte, um, which is it's a really versatile cheese. Um, we've brought you different aged Conte. So you're going to guess. We've got a <laughs> no. uh, 12-month, 18-month, and 24-month aged. So that means it's being aged in these amazing caves. We saw one in the Fort de Russe, which was Napoleon's export. And so imagine like 200,000 wheels of Conte underground in these huge like chambers. Um, it, wow. was, it was crazy. It was something like a, yeah. Talk to me about flavour profile then of Conte in general and then we'll yeah. maybe drill down on the different ages. Okay, so you look at, you're going to get fruity notes in the younger Conte and then it's going to get more and more nutty, woody and then that fruit is going to go from sort of fresh summer fruit to like more dried fruit. Um, you, What is very important is that you do smell the cheese. So before you bite in, you, and this is, goes for any cheese actually, you need to take it up break it in half, smell it, smell the rind, and then take a bite of the cheese and try the rind as well. I'm and smiling because <laughs> I am never slow or mindful when it comes to eating cheese. The uh, other thing at all. Uh, that the listeners should know, we are going to blindfold Miss Helen <laughs> oh Farmer. Yeah. So she's, okay. she's not going to know I'm because take off my specs when, we were, uh, when we were in the caves, uh, this is what we had to do. Yeah. We, were, we were blindfolded um, and I speak um, as the only non-chef or <laughs> culinary trained person there and I was so worried about this. Now producer um, Poonam is going to feed you cheese. So I mean, if this is how we celebrate right a five-year anniversary. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. I'm very excited for this. I, okay, are you going to put it in my hand or are you going to put it in my mouth? Okay, well, how close is your relationship? Okay. okay, so okay. smell first. Good, she's smelling. Yeah. smelling it. I'm breaking it in half. Okay. Mm-hmm. Any adjectives come to mind? 
cheesy. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're just like me. Um, we, we had all sorts of notes. We had stable. We yeah. had hay. hay. We had, yep, yes. because you can tell what they're eating. If you really, if you have a good uh, olfactory or your senses are all in line, um, you could do that. Now, any guesses for you? Okay. The, it's, it, no, it's not, it's definitely packing a bit of a punch, but it's not overwhelming. So mm-hmm. I would say, what do you say, 12, 18 and 24? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go right down the middle at 18 months. Hey, hey. Okay. Am I right? Well yeah, done. Well done. That's, That's when you get to eat. Or something. <laughs> you get to eat more cheese. I yeah. eat more cheese. Okay. Your reward is okay. guess more. Okay. So what Helen can't tell because she's blindfolded is that there's also sometimes a color difference. You, oh. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's. Oh, okay. Okay. Already, yeah. Oh, she's okay. okay. I feel like I'm, yes. I feel like I'm in France. Okay. I'm good. Making We're with taking cows. her away. This is definitely lighter, fresher. Um, fresher in terms of fresh fruits and fresh pl- flavor profile. Okay. From the smell. Mm-hmm. So my immediate guess is this is the youngest. Okay. Am I correct? <laughs> Would you like to try again? Would you, is there another answer you'd like to give? <laughs> yeah. The other one. Yeah. It's, it's the oldest. It's the oldest. Yes. Yes. Are you getting any crystals? Can you get any sort of crunch at all? No. Okay. There's a there's a, um, a process that happens in some of your older cheeses, and you mm. might get this um, in something like a Parmigiano Reggiano as well. That the amino acids, as they age, kind of crystallize a little bit. So the texture on your mouth in your mouth might get you just might get a little bit something unique in the okay. later yep i didn't i'm gonna go back okay, okay so that means what i'm about to try now is the youngest well that's yes. the right that's the right <laughs> answer pressure yes. <laughs> oh wow okay still younger younger still Mm. Okay. Do this, you is have my, this is my favorite. Does that mean I've got cheap taste? Is it ten? No, <laughs> not at all. Can I take them off my blindfold? Yes. I'm feeling really yeah. out of my comfort yes. zone. Whoa. Hi. Back Welcome back. Um, no, I think every answer is the right answer when it comes to cheese. And the best part is, everybody's listening. You can go and get this beautiful cheese here. So, are we going to see massive spike of sales of content in uh, in Spinneys as a result of this trip? In <laughs> I this think chat? so. I hope everybody does a test this okay. weekend. Tiff, you're an amazing cook. What are we doing with this cheese apart from just eating it? So my go-to with this, um, I switch actually between Gruyere or Conte, is a tart. Um, it's what I'm known for. So I use tapenade or pesto on some easy store-bought pastry, put that on, layer it with a ton of this cheese grated, and then tomatoes on top, olive oil, put that into bake for like 15 minutes, Ooh. and you've got the best summer tart. We are going to have a little break so I can eat a lot of cheese. And then we're going to be talking about the latest food news, where to go this weekend, what's got our resident foodies excited. And I want to know, where are you going? Uh, we saying my wife's birthday surprise staycation. I hope you haven't ruined the surprise there. Oh, Theodore saying, I am I am loved and love. Bella saying, listening's my favourite show. Darlene, anniversary dinner. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Joining us from Spinneys now, content director Tiffany Eslick is with us. And we have got food writer extraordinaire Courtney Brandt. Now, Tiff, you, your office is obviously in a Spinney's store. Mm-hmm. So you can't win this prize, I'm afraid. But if I was to give you 500 dirhams to have a bit of a trolley dash or a luxurious peruse around the aisles, what would you be spending that money on? So right now, I am obsessing about our new focaccias. Um, they are flying off the shelves. You just need to pop them in the oven for like five minutes and we've got an olive one, rosemary one, sea salt. Um, so I would buy all of those. All of those. <laughs> and then olive oil to go with it and all the sort of antipasti, you know. Nibbly bits. Yeah. The nibbly bits. What about you, Courtney? I always pass the seafood section and I and I just look. So I would go seafood extravaganza, lobster, shrimp, 
fish, just the whole thing. Oh, that sounds really good. Um, Tiff, I've, I'm going to abuse my power of my microphone now and ask you, why wasn't I asked permission about the moving around of things in my local spinny store? I went in and I was like, well, that's not where the orange squash lives. It seems like there's a lot of work going on. Yes. So we are renovating uh, your favorite spinnies and a couple of others. That was a key one for us. So I promise you good things are coming and you you won't be sorry. I, hey, listen, I'm delighted I've got the cafe. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. thrilled. I mean, I said earlier that the Maidan's my kind of favorite store because of you know, it's, it's got great vibes about it. It's got a nice flow. Yeah. So more of that across. Absolutely. So yeah, um, Sikim. Spinney's uh, Meadows. Meadows, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I, do you know what? I, I found new things because I had to, like, That's in right. my mind, I was like, oh, go here, here, here. And then on Tuesday, I was like, wait, wait, wait a minute. This is not where this is supposed to be. So <laughs> I, it's act it's, Good new new things. Good things are coming. Good for the neural pathways yeah. to shop in a slightly different way. Courtney Brandt, on the food front, have you been anywhere interesting you want to shout about that we should know about, or what are the foodie plans for this weekend? Uh, it is busy times in the city. Traffic is <gasps> yeah causing me to to oh. always second guess my mm. decisions. But no, I've I've been out and about. I helped um, Marriott More Cravings is doing a restaurant month. We spoke earlier to Nick Patmore from JW Marriott Market. Lots of good things Some going on. Great deals. Yes, and I am going to make a lap of uh there's a lot of new seasons and new menus out so tonight i'm over to my favorite uh Tresen studio to see their new season oceano has a new season moonrise has a new season i stopped into our folly brothers yesterday got to try a few new dishes there and new to me because i just can't possibly keep up uh, so you know i know that the school spend just came through for a lot of people but there's oh, yeah. i would encourage you the lunch go for a nice lunch somewhere if you can't feel like you can support a dinner out a night out just just go for lunch what about you tiff what are the food plans for the weekend so my friend Bruce has moved to Dubai this week from New York, and he is a private chef. So I'm, <gasps> I, I hope you're listening, Bruce. Bruce. <laughs> yeah, and he's close to us. <laughs> so Bruce, I hope you're listening because I'm expecting something amazing for dinner. Um, and then otherwise, I'm doing some cooking, and yeah, that's about it. We, I just was chatting earlier with the amazing chef uh, Gary Megan, and he was giving us the, the tips on how to get the best out of your uni pizza oven. So, husband is on that tonight. Um, we so. I'm a firm believer that some of the most interesting restaurants in Dubai are not licensed. Um, so we recently went to Mrs. Mika, which is just a little Japanese place in Jumeirah. Um, super low-key, really, really enjoyed it. Some A few really great dishes. And then I think the one that everyone is talking about right now, I got a sneak peek last night at the, the full menu um, at the Guild in ICD Brookfield Post. Talking yep. about traffic, my goodness, allow time for that U-turn. It's horrendous. Yes. Um, but but really worth it, to yeah. be honest. The, the space itself... I feel like we've seen, and I actually, um, I like a kind of smaller restaurant in general. We've seen much more of that kind of smaller smaller number of covers. But this is like, Dubai is back. It's a huge space, but so beautifully designed and split in a very clever way. So you go in and you've got this kind of jungly feel in the nurseries and the potting shed. And then you move through and there's this raised area, which is the rock pool, which is an actual rock pool pond. Um, beautiful seafood there and then I don't know if you, I'm sure you have I don't know if you've seen the film The Menu with Ralph mm-hmm. Fiennes yes. um, very similar kitchen open experience in the main restaurant which is the salon so nowhere to hide for these chefs but a couple of really standout dishes from the guild last night the, the tomahawk steak was un believable um some lovely fresh starters as well kind of uh, you know like kind of scallop uh, carpaccio and ceviche it was it was great but it's going to be the place to be seen that's my kind of 
There's a lot going on down there. And there's, mm. um, for those uh, looking for an unlicensed spot, for example, uh, Jimmy, spelled G-I-M-I, just kind of up the road, um, Atelier House Hospitality, they've got their new, so a Korean uh, kind of vibe. Uh, I believe they're launching next week. I know there's an invitation for this weekend, but I'm I'm curious to see what they've done with the space. Me too. Uh, J-I-M-I, I think it means spice in Korean. It's on my list. I love Korean food. Um, so we've run out of time, guys. Thank you so much. Um, can I keep some cheese? Uh, oh, it's all yours. <laughs> we, we, you can. <laughs> yeah, uh, we didn't do any. We didn't do a French test. Don't worry. <laughs> it was a cheese test. Um, Tiff, the new issue of Nourish is on the shelves now. Um, what's what's on the cover and what's in the pages that you're excited about? So it's all dedicated to all things barbecue. Yeah. Um, on the cover is one of our colleagues, T Bone Steaks, uh, Tomahawk Steaks, Dihan. He's very happy about it, and his hands are on the cover too. So oh, fame at last. Um, but yeah, it's one of our favorite editions. Um, we have a lot of fun doing it. We have to shoot most of it in summer. So thanks to everyone who took part in that. Well, um, well worth it. I'm sure some great recipes in there as well. And Courtney, tell us a little bit where we can find you online and uh, the new, new mail out coming out tomorrow, I guess. Yes, newsletter always available in my bio on Instagram, underscore Courtney Brand underscore. And I just launched a new series this week, uh, Dubai Buy Food. Buy Food is all one word. You can find it on YouTube. I will be interviewing some incredible food personalities across the city over the coming months. Amazing. Well, huge congratulations to you both. Have a lovely, lovely weekend ahead. And thank you for the cheese. Um, G saying, I enjoyed a great meal the night at the Guild. Once they iron out the kinks, it will be phenomenal. Couldn't agree more. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We love meeting the experts. And it's often on a Friday that we're meeting chefs and producers, restaurateurs. But we thought we'd bring in an expert on all things teeth and relating it to diet and specifically children. Dr. Pascal Abujeli is with us today, specialist paediatric dentist at Dr. Joy Dental Clinic right here in Dubai. And you've been working with the team at Spinney's on the new Nourish magazine for some tips and tricks. How are you today? I'm good, Helen. Thanks for having me today. My absolute pleasure. Now, kids are back at school, getting into a bit of routine. A lot of parents may be reflecting on some um, food, uh, candy, uh, ice cream choices that we've made over the summer. Does that mean you're pretty busy right now? Yeah, we're pretty busy with the um, back-to-school checkups. Um, parents feel guilty about what, the ch- what, what their children had during all summer break. But now we're back to the uh, regular checkups, uh, treating cavities, even treating misalign- mis- misalignment. We're doing Invisalign first for kids. Ooh. I might talk to you about that off air because I've got two kids who might need need a little bit of work. Um, Now, I guess first things first, help us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll do my best. I know an awful lot of of grown-ups who are are kind of fearful of the dentist. How do you cope with you when you've got little kids who perhaps are a bit afraid, Pascal? So um, first we ask the parents to prepare their child for their first dental visit or for their for their visit um, we ask them to explain what will happen during the session with simple and not too much details and in a reassuring way um, they can answer all their questions and uh, 
they can also schedule a meet and greet visit with a pediatric dentist. Oh, that's a good idea. So, so it's a non-treatment session. Yeah, it's a non-treatment session. So the kid uh, get to gets to visit the clinic, meet the pediatric dentist, meet the team, get more comfortable with the environment. Maybe. And he can also bring his favorite toy or stuffy with him to the clinic so he can feel more comfortable. That's a really cute So idea. this is a way... Uh, It is also very important for the parents to choose a pediatric dentist as opposed to a general dentist because us pediatric dentists have uh, our distraction and behavior management techniques. Oh, go on. I, that, I need this in my parenting. <laughs> distraction and behavior management. What kind, of, what kind of tools and tricks have you got in the clinic that can help? So, for example, we have the TV, the screens in the ceiling. So the child can enjoy watching TV while... Uh, we get to examine and treat their teeth. Uh, we use the technique to, uh, called cell show do. So let's say, personally, I have like a dinosaur, a small dinosaur with big teeth. So I tell the kids uh, what's going to happen. I will show him what's going to happen. And then I do the treatment. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I go beyond that. I even allow the kid, let's say we have a cleaning, we have a filling to be done. So I, I always tell them the filling is a painting. So I show them the painting tools and they get to use the painting tools on the dinosaur so they get more familiar with the treatment. So this will make them feel more comfortable. Can I ask you about what we can be doing at home? Because I think maybe we're missing tricks here. Are there any, I don't know, techniques or bits of kit, tools, whether it's toothbrushes, toothpaste, flosses that you found that kids can you know really engage in what's been useful recently so a lot of parents struggle with making their kids brush their teeth and maintain a good oral hygiene uh, the aim here is to build a lifelong habit mm. and the only way to do that is to make oral care a fun and engaging activity that that will uh, allow the child to be more present and more involved in the in the brushing so first you can allow your child to use or to choose their own uh, toothbrush with their favorite color or cartoon character and pick their favorite toothpaste flavor. We have bought a lot of toothpaste flavors in our household. We finally found, of course, they like different ones. Of course they do. But it was a lot of trial and error. It was. Yeah, but, but usually kids love fruity flavors, mm -hmm. mainly strawberry, bubblegum, um, and watermelon. Some, some of them, like mint flavor not mine yeah <laughs> because they want to imitate their parents or yeah. their uh, older siblings but you have to consider the choice of the child but at the same time you have to make sure you're choosing the right ingredients for your for your kids toothpaste so opt for sls free paraben free uh, toothpaste And you have to make sure that they're using the right amount of fluoride in their toothpaste so for kids Uh, aged between two and six, the recommended amount is 1,000 ppm of fluoride. For the kids older than six, the recommended amount is 1,450 ppm of fluoride. I'm going to check mine. What about, yeah. um, what should we be looking for in a toothbrush then in terms of size, softness, any brands that you think of doing a particularly good job? Uh, so the toothbrush uh, should be first age appropriate. Uh, it should be colored, attractive for the kids. The head should be small. The bristles should be soft. And uh, the, Cur the Curaprox brand have a wide range of uh, toothbrushes and toothpaste that tick all the boxes. Okay. 
good. Okay, right. I'm gonna. I might send you a picture of ours at home, and yes. you can be like Helen. <laughs> Helen, that's a hard no. Um, what do our kids need to floss? Because my kids, of course, see, definitely. My, okay, because this was this was not a thing when I was growing up at all. But my kids see me floss, and they're they've asked, and I'm like, I don't know if it would damage their gums as children. Do we need to get a specific type and help us? Yeah. So uh, kids should start flossing around the age of three, or when you see that the baby molars started to touch. And usually the contact between the baby molars is a surface. All, but between the, ba- the permanent teeth, it's only a contact point. So it's very important to clean this surface, this contact surface between the molars. So kids should floss and flossing should be done before brushing, not after it, to remove the food from between the teeth and to allow the toothpaste to penetrate between the teeth. Never thought about it like that before. Yeah. So uh, for kids, you can use the easy flossers or easy picks, floss picks. Um, and there are many brands who have uh, flavored flossers uh, with different colors and cartoon characters. So you can also let your child choose his own floss. Okay. Pascal, I've got a quick question we're going to squeeze in. This is from Selena saying, I feel a bit embarrassed sending this, but I need some help with my daughter and her dummy. She's always loved it. We have tried to reduce it. After three, just at bedtime when she went for a nap, but she's four now and still loves her dummy and doesn't seem like she's going to give it up. I've been quite transparent with the dentist. He said that as far as he can see, there's no permanent damage, but he wouldn't advise having it any longer. Um, my question is how to go about getting rid of it. Do I go cold turkey, give them to the dummy fairy, or do I just bear the long nights or phase it out? Any advice? Greatly appreciated. Yeah, good question. So, um, of course, she should get rid of the dummy, but she needs to uh, know how would or what is the dummy for her for her daughter first. Mm-hmm. If it's a soothing thing for her, then she cannot cut it immediately. Maybe she can switch to something we we use now. It's called the myofunctional therapy. My daughter's having it. Yes. She has so, a session tonight. <laughs> yeah. So we, we tell her that this is the adults or the big girl's dummy. Mm-hmm. And then she can uh, switch to the adult dummy. So with this device, uh, we have many brands. The, um, so the child will put the dummy, the, this myofunctional ther- uh, appliance in their mouth and she will start chewing on this uh, device. So this will provide a sense of soothing Mm -hmm. and at the same time because she's chewing we are stimulating the growth of the jaw and we're reversing the damage that happened before. I find the fact you said that really reassuring because we're doing this as I said with my daughters after one loved her dummy so much that we had to do the dummy fairy and it was a whole thing and it worked we went cold turkey with with that my younger one sucks with them and now it's definitely helping phase out that so if yeah. anyone wants to find out more about that is that something you can help with yeah of course okay we have run out of time we have <laughs> run out of questions we'd love to have you back um in the meantime though where can people find you dr pascal so I'm working at Dr. Joy Dental Clinic in the Palm Branch and in the Pediatric and Orthodontic Center in Umsukim. Thank you so, so much. If you want Dr. Pascal's details, just send me the word, I don't know, tooth, and I'll send you her details so you can find her in real life. And as I said, we'll have her back to answer more dental questions. Have a lovely weekend ahead. Thank you so, Thank so you. much. Thanks for being with us on this episode of Farmer's Kitchen. You can tune in live every single Friday afternoon between 2 and 5 on Dubai Eye 103.8.